Hello, and welcome to Unsolicited, the podcast that gives fictional characters advice that they did not ask for. I'm Owen Evans. And I'm Emily Blake. Today we're discussing Luisa Madrigal from Disney's Encanto. The premise of this movie is um, that a family who is fleeing Colombia is gifted with a miracle. And one aspect of the miracle is that every member of their family is given a special gift, something akin to a superpower, um, except the main character, who, on the day she is supposed to receive her gift, goes through the whole ceremony of gifting and is given nothing. But we're not talking about her today. We're talking about her eldest sister, who is gifted with incredible strength and endurance. So I think when this movie came out, I am not an eldest sister, neither are you, um, neither of us is Latinx either, but I remember there being a strong response from daughters, and especially first daughters in Latinx families, yeah. um, to yeah. Luisa's plight. And I say plight because while she's given a gift, she's also given an incredible burden. She's at the beck and call not only of her family, but also of all of the townspeople and is constantly, constantly, constantly working to do tasks that would be difficult or impossible for other people. Yeah, yeah, she goes above and beyond. It's all under the the premise of, you know, love for the family and caring for the community. Um, But we really don't see a whole lot of sense of um, boundaries or, you know, attention to to um, self-growth in each of these individual characters or joy yeah i Mm -hmm. i think a lot of the characters in the movie are are not experiencing very much joy and that's something that i would hope strength might be able to give someone Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so there's a real stereotype around oldest siblings and especially around oldest sisters who who tend to be parentified more than other siblings in family dynamics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we both uh, have older brothers um, mm-hmm. that we love and, and adore. Um, and I, I, I would say in, in my relationship with, with my brother, I've definitely, um, I'd, I'd say we, we fit those roles. He, he took on a, a big sense of responsibility, I, I think, for, for me, but also for kind of our our whole family yeah yeah oldest siblings tend to be caretakers they tend to be really responsible uh they tend to worry about letting people down and push themselves really hard and Mm -hmm. have a high desire to meet expectations yeah yeah absolutely um so um something about louisa is that she is the the first character that we see whose gift starts to to waver um mm-hmm. and when the when the their miracle starts to to falter and so um we wonder why that is and she's going to such excessive measures to to fill her her role in in the family and the community um to a point of of uh, where she's probably feeling some some sense of of burnout um, of feeling like she's she's doing too much and burning the candle at both ends, um, and uh, so Emily, with your experience as as a teacher, I know especially earlier, like uh, in in your career, um, 
you uh you know had had a sense of oh, you you felt like you really needed to devote everything you had to your to to your job and can you talk a little bit about what that was what that was like yeah um yeah i experienced burnout pretty early in my career um i moved through a couple of different jobs in in my first couple of years teaching which meant that repeatedly i was setting up programs that had been cared for very differently than i was prepared to care for them um, a lot mm-hmm. of equipment had been mismanaged, so I was walking into both a physical mess and a lot of management systems like inventories and things like that didn't exist or had been taken by the previous teachers so that they weren't accessible to me. <laughs> um, practical, right? So <laughs> I, I spent a, a lot of time. I was working a lot of 12 and 14 hour days in my first several years teaching Uh, often paired with then two or three nights a week I might have concerts or stay late for basketball and football games with my band playing as the pep band Um, or have meetings with parents late into the evening uh, Mm -hmm. working with booster clubs and and things like that so just the time demands were Mm -hmm. really significant and we see that in Louisa also she Mm -hmm. is often one of the first people out of the house, or at least that's my impression from the movie. She's moving through town while a lot of the other Madrigals kind of get to stay in their rooms and wait for someone to approach them. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And as she moves uh, through town, people are constantly, constantly, constantly giving her requests. La familia! La familia! Luisa, hey! Reroute the river. Will do. Reset. The donkeys got out again. On it. And one of the yeah. big things that teachers fight is called decision fatigue. And it's the idea that your brain responds differently when it has choices than it does when it's given a directive. Um, and I'm not talking about motivation here because that's a whole other conversation. But it essentially it takes more brain power for us to make a decision than it does for us to follow directions. Um, yeah. So decision fatigue as as you constantly decide, am I going to do this or this or this, and try to keep track on the invisible list inside your head of all of the things that you're supposed to be doing, can really wear you out. Um, yeah, so uh, you're you're absolutely right, um, and that's uh, something that I've uh, also experienced. Um, and uh, you know, one thing that really helped me kind of uh, fight back against that was, um, you know, kind of making a, a list of priorities you know all this all this stuff that 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 pops up that needs your attention and and what is what are the things that that are going to sustain you and and that are really really important and, and what are the things that that you maybe need to cut back on you know that's that's a a a, a tough a tough thing to, to think about and tough decisions to make but so so can necessary. you imagine how different Luisa's life would have been even if she just had access to a cell phone to keep a to-do list on <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Or uh, a union to, you know, yeah. <laughs> workers' rights. <laughs> yeah, the Madrigal Union. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, I mean, there there was also a big emotional and mental health shift that occurs with burnout. So while I, I'd like to think I am less burnt out now than I was early in my career, I'm still sometimes struck by this as, as we enter concert seasons and that kind of stuff. Um, but when you're dealing with burnout, you get really sad and sometimes pretty angry. 
irritability is really high. You might mm-hmm. experience some depressive symptoms. Um, and all of that additionally makes it much harder to work with other people too. And I think we see some of that from Louisa also. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Um, you see that there's that, that little scene in the movie when um, the you first get the sign that the the miracle is starting to fade and, and Mirabelle, the main character, goes to Louisa for help. Um, and Louisa is uh, so so stretched so thin that she she snaps at at Mirabelle, uh, which is kind of like the first time you see some confrontation in the movie. You kind of get a sense that oh, this this family is is not so perfect as the image that's presented at the very beginning. Burnout is typically caused when someone doesn't have very much control of what they're experiencing. Mm-hmm. it's enhanced when there are unclear expectations. So if you, even if you have a lot to do, if you know exactly what you're supposed to be doing, that's helpful. And if you just have this vague sense that you're constantly supposed to be living up to something, that's much harder. Yeah. Um, it's, it's caused when you have really long-term or extreme investment in an activity. And mm-hmm. I think the ones that, that, hit Louisa hardest are that she really has no social support network and she really doesn't have any work-life balance she doesn't have a job (laughs) she just is moving through town trying to help people and that's her that's her whole gig yeah so if I were in Louisa's shoes you know um uh, some some things that you can do to to kind of deal with this this uh excessiveness of of responsibilities uh set some boundaries for yourself you know um, have put some expectations around what you want to get out of your life because, you know, we assume you don't want to be working all the time. Um, uh, put up, put up some, some systems to, to manage all these requests that are coming in from, from the, the people in the town that she's working for. And, you know, even uh, tell them, Hey, this is when I take care of things around the village from, from this time in the morning to this time in the afternoon. Um, and, uh, when, when that, when that time comes, that's, that's, that's my time, right? That's the time that I get to go home and, and be with my family and, and do the, the things that, that I enjoy, uh, which you know is what? so, so important. Honestly, I think based on the way the townspeople treat that family, I think the townspeople would probably cheer if she set some boundaries and said, Hey, you guys, I need some time for myself uh, please give me the weekend or I don't mm-hmm. work after five or, you know, I, I will only take emergencies during these hours and they need to be mm. true emergencies. If you're, mm-hmm. if your donkeys get out, you got to go find them yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, one of the, one of the cool things about the movie is that when, when we get to the end, um, and the, the madrigals kind of lose their, lose their their powers and it seems like maybe they're going to lose them for good they don't know that the miracle is going to come back mm-hmm. you do kind of see that the townsfolk uh step up to the plate and and offer their their services and and their their labor to to help the madrigals come back from this tragedy that has befallen them yeah it does seem like there's a really healthy relationship between the townspeople and the family in that regard um it's it's clear that they are really well loved by the townspeople and not sort of dictators in within the town. And I think <laughs> yeah, they very yeah, easily yeah. could be. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um. Yeah. 
Um, uh, I'd like to see Louisa investing in a little bit more self-care. And I don't necessarily mean bubble baths and face masks. Um, <laughs> I, I think actually that this is a really gendered issue. And the way that we talk about self-care for girls and for guys looks really different. Right. For girls, we mm-hmm. say, well, why don't you have a spa day and a massage? And for guys, <laughs> we essentially say, why don't you take some actual time off and do things that you enjoy? Yeah, um, yeah you're right. Yeah. And, you know, and, and that's sort of an interesting dynamic because the things girls are encouraged to do for self-care are about often beautifying themselves and making them more more presentable to the public in general. Um, yeah. And the things mm. that guys are encouraged to do typically are things that bring them actual joy. Or at least that's my perspective. Maybe maybe as a guy you have a different perspective. What do you feel like you're encouraged to do for self-care? Yeah. And I, I guess, uh, you know, what that looks like for me is, is like you said, taking, taking some time away, anything that's going to take my mind off of the, the activities or the things in my life that are causing that stress. Um, and, uh, for me, a lot of times that's, well, getting outside, spending time with my friends, um, in fact, making this podcast with you, um, we don't have to include that. This <laughs> is cheesy. This is self-care is for me too, actually. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I was encouraged to do recently was to stop trying to take things off my plate as self-care and to start trying to put things on my plate that I enjoyed more. Um, mm. So instead of instead of thinking more about what responsibilities I have and what I need to be doing for other things to block out more time and go, no, this is something that I really care about and this is something I want to invest in. So for me, this podcast is absolutely a self-care tool because, Mm -hmm. you know, a couple of times a week, you and I are getting together and spending some quality time talking about things that are interesting to us. And it Mm -hmm. engages my brain doing something. uh, It engages my brain thinking about stuff that I wouldn't ordinarily think about and I'm a person who genuinely enjoys critical thinking and having mm-hmm. intentional thoughtful discussions. Yeah, yeah, you spend so much of your day thinking about one thing, right? Whatever it is that you do for your job or spend most of your day doing. Um and it just gets so exhausting and wears on you. Um especially this time of the year, you know, when we're going through this kind of seasonal change. Um there's less daylight outside. Um, and, uh, yeah, it really does kind of get to feel monotonous. So having, having something that kind of forces you to, to, or forces your thoughts away from that kind of daily monotonous grind. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Um, okay. So let's talk about a couple, I know we're here to discuss Louisa, but let's talk about a couple of other characters who kind of contrast Louisa in the way that they manage their responsibilities. Um, Mirabel, for instance, is faced with the responsibility of saving the family miracle. And we probably mm-hmm. should have said spoiler alert somewhere in this episode, but a <laughs> uh, little late now. Um, the miracle <laughs> in the movie, if you haven't seen it, is represented by a candle. And the candle starts flickering it's tied to their home, their casita, and their their home begins to crack and crumble and fall apart. 
And when their home falls apart mm-hmm. and the candle goes out, all of the family's powers disappear. So all mm-hmm. of their gifts disappear. Yeah. Um, so, Mirabelle, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Um, well, to finish your thought about Mirabelle, I'll, I'll chime in later. Mirabelle, earlier in the movie, has a premonition that this is going to happen. It's not a part of a gift for her. She just realizes it's going to happen and starts trying to learn more about the possibility of losing their miracle. Um, Mm. And it comes to light that she is the person around whom the miracle turns. For whatever reason, she's the one who has to figure out how to save the miracle, Um, Mm -hmm. which is a huge burden, especially for someone without superpowers. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and it and it really falls to her almost because you almost get a sense of um, the rest of the family members kind of being in denial, like they're maybe a, a little bit aware that this is going on, but can't face the truth that that there might be a threat to this perfect life that they've created for themselves. Yeah, yeah, I I think a lot of us would probably fall into that camp, just <laughs> the complacency of of having. Uh-huh had these experiences for so long yeah mm-hmm. yeah definitely um and so mirabelle um who has been feeling maybe a little dejected a, a little bit like an outsider um not part of her family because she is has not been graced with one of these gifts um kind of takes the responsibility of figuring out what's going on and and trying to to save this a, as a way to to prove herself um, which is seems to be you know a, a theme in this community. It's it's you 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 have to 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 do so much to to be valid. Um, which I is, think you know, of this as the big shoes to fill phenomenon. Even if you're not mm-hmm. replacing mm-hmm. someone, in one of my early jobs, um, I as a band teacher, I went to a concert before accepting the job, or I guess I lied. I went to a concert right after accepting the job and one of the, the student's parents walked up to me afterwards and their entire interaction was telling me that I had big shoes to fill. Oh God. And I, <laughs> which <laughs> was so thoughtful. Thank you for that, <laughs> that sentiment. Um, my next job uh, had kind of the opposite dynamic, not because I was taking over for anyone less qualified necessarily, but because the community's sentiment was not that I had to prove myself, um, but that they wanted to watch me grow. So mm-hmm. in the very different the environment. Big, yeah. I think of the big shoes to fill phenomenon as the idea that we won't trust you until you prove you're worth it. Um, mm-hmm. And the phenomenon I prefer, the the community <laughs> mindset that I try to build in the places where I am, is that we'll take you as you are and go from there. Or yeah. or maybe a better way to say that is we trust you already and yeah. we'll work through mm-hmm. problems together. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Everybody gets the benefit of the doubt. At least once. Yeah. I would say. Yeah. You know, some people are, sure. have a special gift for... <laughs> Well, and Making had I proven you. to be terrible at my job, that that would be one thing. But, you know, I, I mm-hmm. received a very different response from both communities also. I walked mm-hmm. in and did almost exactly the same thing in both schools. But in the first one, um, I was constantly questioned and told 
many, many reasons that I wasn't good enough. Um, and even had students who approached me and said things like, hey, look, I actually think you're a great band teacher, but I'm going to try and make this as hard for you as I can. Um, <laughs> because it was that big shoes to fill dynamic. Yeah, well, and, and they were really yeah. loyal to the previous teacher. They'd worked with him for several years and, and really thought that mm-hmm. he was something special, which he may have been. Um, but that's unrelated to who or what I am. Uh, and really damaged yeah. the experience they could have had that we could have had together. Um, and in in my next role, it was the total opposite. I walked in and they were like, we're so glad you're here. And what can we do to support you? And I, like I said, I did all of the same things. Um, mm-hmm. And they have been so much more effective because the audience I was working with was was interested in, and willing to receive them. Uh for which yeah. I am grateful every day. That was a far better experience. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, you know, we've been friends for a long time. And so I, I kind of, I had been able to, to watch you go through this and, 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 and deal with some of the things you just described. And, and it was, it was, it was tough, you know, me knowing, uh, well, how great you are and, and having seen how great of a teacher you are and the, you know, being treated Thanks. in a way that you certainly didn't deserve. So well, now I feel vindicated. Um, okay, back to so. <laughs> back, <yeah>. yes. <laughs> Take um, that. Anywho, <laughs> gosh, I hope none of the, the people from that school end up hearing this podcast. I would, I would hate for them <laughs> to feel badly. And I, I think <laughs> teenagers mature well, at different rates, and yeah, and they did the best they could with the information they had at that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my my experience in, in my job, thankfully, was much more similar to to your second school, which I'm I'm very very grateful for. Um, it's it doesn't always go that way, and I I did I do feel like I got very lucky to kind of step right into a, a welcoming and supportive community, um, and it made my my first year as a teacher, um, you know, go much better and be much more bearable. Bearable is probably the night, the not the right word. It was it was tough, but but it was, um, it was it was good. Yeah, I don't think the first year teaching is a cakewalk for pretty much anyone. <laughs> um, let's um, see. Okay, so we were. Go ahead. Oh, I was just kind of thinking out loud. Um, what else to say about Mirabelle? Well, I think Mirabelle has this very community-oriented mindset. The movie opens with her singing to children about her family's gifts and uh, really applauding all of these people around her. I can't just talk about myself. I'm only part of the amazing Madrigals. Who's all the amazing Madrigals? Hi, you're not going to leave me alone, are you? Casita. Help me out. Drawers. And I think if you didn't have a gift, it would be really easy mm-hmm. to be incredibly bitter. Um, mm-hmm. But that's not Mirabelle. She's going to make this joyful and fun for everyone around her. And when she's mm-hmm. faced with the responsibility of saving this miracle, she takes that community approach. And instead of going, okay, I will do this entirely on my own, 
I mean, she has some moments of that where she goes, nobody believes me. I'm going to have to figure it out. But that's yeah, different uh-huh. than going, I'm going to go it alone. Lone wolf. Um, yeah. Uh-huh. Actually, one of the first things she does is find her uncle Bruno, who's, whose gift is an ability to see the future and have visions. And she insists that he help her um, at sort of <laughs> great personal risk. Yeah. yeah by... Yeah, yeah. by forcing himself to have another vision so she essentially goes look i can't do this alone we're in it together and we have to save the family so i need you to step up dude Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's 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 a a a pretty cool a pretty cool thing that happens because i mean how hard is it to ask for help you know i it's you know when when you when you're in a position where where you you feel like you want to succeed and you want to do well and and you kind of selfishly want to be able to take that credit um and so you kind of have to fight that that instinct to to ask for help and and you know and and it's so much better than than just kind of going it alone and and struggling along all, all along the way which leads to burnout right like mm-hmm. we saw with Louisa well, and Mirabelle gives so generously and freely of herself. Also pretty early in the movie, we see her um, convincing her youngest cousin to, to come out of hiding to receive his gift. And she's mm-hmm. created this really thoughtful, personalized gift for him. Um, we see her forgive her Uncle Bruno, who, who has been hiding for years to yeah. avoid the responsibility of his gift. Um, and, and not only that, but she's been, you know, told by all her other family members how how terrible he is and how uh, how he's so, so bad for abandoning the family and has just painted this really negative picture. Um, and, you know, in such a tight knit community like that, like it's it's hard to 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 kind of forge your own beliefs um, or well, I should rephrase that because I haven't, you know coming as as an outsider from from that community um how can i say that differently um yeah so so mirabel has this this negative picture um painted in her head by by all these people that are very close to her and a lot of times it can be very difficult to to um to make to forge your 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 own your own thoughts and your own beliefs when you're getting that much input um about how somebody is or or something the way something should be Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, So Louisa has the total opposite approach from Mirabelle. She takes everyone's request and instead of saying, okay, let's figure it out together, she goes, yes, I will do that. Yes, I will do that. Yes, I will do that. Um, Mm -hmm. Another foil for Louisa is her abuela. And her abuela Mm -hmm. is the matriarch of the family. She doesn't have a gift, but she is the original recipient of of the miracle. So she has triplet children, and her triplets are the first characters who are who are gifted. Um, mm-hmm. And rather than just being incredibly grateful, although I think she is that also, she's applying constant pressure on her family members and demanding more and more and more. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. people approach Louisa. They literally hide from Abuela. Like Bruno has been <laughs> hiding in the walls of their family home for years, and when he yeah. finally comes out, the person he's most afraid of seeing is his mom. Right? You just have to see it. 
by yourself after I leave. What? You're not coming? It was your vision, Mirabel, not mine. You're afraid Abuela will see you. Yep, I mean, yes, that too. Hey, after you save the miracle, come visit. After I save the miracle, I'm bringing you home. Knock, 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 you have to know where the line is and you always have to have, um, you know, uh, the, the, the people at, at the forefront of your mind. Right. Yeah, for sure. And those relationships and building relationships and maintaining them and, 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 uh, fixing them when they get damaged. How do you think Luisa's relationships are? Um, I you know uh, I I I think Louisa um she seems to be a little bit I don't know if closed off would be the right way to say it but she doesn't seem to have very deep connections with the other characters in, in the movie she mm. is almost kind of like seems to me like she fills the role of just like a, a worker bee like she's just kind of there um she's you know constantly out doing things and and maybe just doesn't have a lot of time to to invest in in building relationships at least that's the impression that i got Okay, I, I have more to that thought that I just uh, that that I just uh, had. So, I think Louisa's relationships are uh, almost a, a a little bit shallow. Um, I think she uh, is a worker bee, like we've said. You know, she's always out doing things, um, not taking time for herself. And I think when you have that that role of a a provider and kind of that, that, that parentification that we mentioned before, um, the relationship can almost get a little bit one-sided where you're constantly, um, giving, 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 filling other people's needs, but you're not communicating what you need from other people, um, emotionally. Um, and so there is that kind of distance in relationships with uh, people like Louisa. Yeah, I think you're spot on. Um, how do you feel like Abuela's relationships are with people? Uh, you know, that's that's tough because, um, you know, Abuela is uh, a character that that uh, loves very, very deeply, um, but just takes it too far to the point where she's, you know, Taking well, and she's, right, kind she's of the opposite. She's been through of... some real trauma too. Like we, yes, have yes, to yes. We have it. not talked about this yet. Yeah, she. Uh... Yeah, she's not just some mean old lady. <laughs> like she's seen some stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. So, did did we already talk about how her her husband died? We did not. Um. Yeah. So Abuela at the be at the you know 
long before the the era of the movie um, loses her husband in this uh, conflict um, that is going on in Colombia, and so she's left a, a single mother um, of three, widow, and you know has had to um, just make so many sacrifices in order to provide this life for her children and the the community that she's founded, and so you know I think after investing that much. Um, you're going to do anything you can to protect it, even if it takes you so far as to, you know, maybe cause some some emotional harm to uh, un- unintentionally, of course, but um, to, yeah, to these this, people that are very close to her. Yeah, the stakes are really high for Abuela. She's mm-hmm. already experienced the absolute loss of her entire community and literally rebuilt from the ground up. <laughs> yeah. Um, once. And now she's forced to do it again. Mm-hmm. And I lost sight of who our miracle was for. And I am so sorry. You never heard of family Mirabel. We are broken. And that's super different from Luisa, who's always had a home and always been surrounded by a a group of people who loved her and treated her well and is just worried about letting them down. Yeah. Those are very different stakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I would still rather hang out with Luisa, <laughs> but I acknowledge that, like, Abuela has some stuff she is dealing with and she is trying to deal with it by the end of the movie. So props to her because that's huge. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Especially, you know, someone that's lived for so long and, and has been set in their ways for so long to, to be able to, to shift and, and change your, your perspective on things um, is really, really, you know, it's really Can cool. we just give a huge shout out to all of the people of kind of our grandparents generation who <laughs> are really actively trying to adapt to the world we live in now and support mm-hmm. all of the different kinds of people that they didn't used to be aware existed. Yeah. That's something that I see in, in some of the older folks around me, genuine effort to, yeah. to support their communities. And it's really cool. Yeah, yeah, you know, people being open-minded. Um, not only that, but going out and, and seeking um, new perspectives. Um, I I see that a lot in, you know, in, in my family and other families of, of around me, which is just, you know, that's, that's really cool. And it, it kind of makes me think about, you know, however many years from now when, when we're the, the old folks of our families, you know, what are the, what are the things that, that we're going to need to be open-minded about you know it's kind of fun to to think about the the future from that lens well and one of the reasons we wanted to create this podcast in the first place was that i mean partly we wanted to hang out and it seemed like a fun thing to add (laughs) but um we also both believe that when we think deeply about fiction and about things that have been made up it can help us think more deeply about our own lives so Mm -hmm. My hope, and I think your hope, is that when people listen to this podcast, they're not just, maybe they're just listening passively and that's fine, but I I hope that some of our listeners also 
start thinking a little bit more deeply about some of the dynamics that we're talking about and how they might experience them in their own lives too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, fiction and, and these, these very complex and, and, and interesting characters, it's, you know, it really kind of helps you draw some parallels to your life and, and kind of re-examine things um, Mm -hmm. and say, Oh, you know, I relate to this character and maybe that's like something I'm not super happy with. And like, I want to address this thing in my life. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about one more foil to Luisa. And that's Bruno. They both are given gifts that have incredible power and incredible ability to support or harm their town. Mm-hmm. Um, not everyone is. So, for instance, Camilo is gifted the ability to shapeshift. Um, which might be really useful for playing pranks or for standing in for someone who's sick. I suppose there there are definitely ways it could be useful. But when I think about a gift like that, I think of its primary purpose as practical jokes. And, you know, it really is compared (laughs) to the others a little bit self-serving. It's a very Fred and George Weasley kind of gift. Um, But Bruno's ability to predict the future is really important to the town, even if they don't like the outcomes. Right, yeah. And Luisa's ability to use her strength to to help the people of the town is really important. Um, And while Luisa takes that on as a personal burden, Bruno says, man, I am tired of taking all of this criticism and goes and hides and and just stops using his gift entirely. Yeah, and you know, alienates himself from from his family, even though he loves them so deeply. He's not willing to leave them. You find out that he's been hiding out in in the house so that he can still be close to them, and kind of be there and, and sort of be a, a a silent supporter when when they need it, even though they they may not know that that he's there working in the background. Yeah, there's a really heartbreaking scene where we see that he's been living inside the walls and he has a little peephole that lets him feel like he's at their family dinner table. Yeah. Um, and that's, uh, for me, a really heartbreaking scene. Yeah, Bruno. So we talked a little bit about, yeah, sorry, Bruno. <laughs> you you had a tough lot. Um, we talked a little bit about gender dynamics and self-care. And I wonder if you see any gender dynamics coming to coming into effect here. What do you think? Like, is this gendered, or is does it just happen to be? You're you're talking about in relation to Bruno. Yeah, well, Bruno and Luisa, and the way they respond to their responsibilities. T- to their to their plights. Yeah, yeah. I think plights is a better phrase. Yeah, um, I you know I I certainly would say so. Um, um, I, I, I would, I would say, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, because Bruno filling a, a masculine role in, in this family, um, probably feels like he, um, either can't or shouldn't communicate the things that he's dealing with and, and express his emotions, um, and seek that, that emotional support that he needs. Um, and so I, I think mm-hmm. that could be one of the things that causes him to feel like he doesn't belong. Um, maybe um pushes him towards uh wanting to to leave um yeah absolutely yeah 
Um, and, and on the other side, right, we have Louisa, um, who, um, is, is investing so much energy in, in, in taking care of her community. Um, and, uh, we, you know, we often see, see women in our communities fill the roles of, of, of nurturers and, and caretakers and, and things like that. Um, and, and, uh, Luis, of course, you know, takes that to the extreme. So, yeah, I definitely, I definitely do see some, some gender, um, dynamics in, in the way that, that they handle their, their, their responsibilities. Yeah. Yeah, I also wonder if things would have been different for them if their gifts had been reversed. Physical strength, in our society at least, we consider a typically masculine characteristic. And mm-hmm. that's one of the pieces of feedback that a lot of people really appreciated. They loved, when this movie came out, that a woman had been given the the gift of physical strength. Yeah. And then they loved that the illustrators had actually made her look strong. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And not in a not in a comic book kind of way either. You know, yeah, she, but she, she actually look looks like, like a <laughs> superwoman. Yeah. She looks like an actual strong woman. Yeah. Right? She's not sexualized. Um, right? Mm-mm. Big thing. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Um, so I, I wonder if things would have been different and by the same token, Bruno's gift is essentially the gift of being able to plan like if you know what's going to (laughs) happen you can figure out how you're going to respond to it right yeah you're right communicator in the world neither is luisa luisa is also not a great communicator but bruno we we discover part of why he's received this criticism is actually not that that he was necessarily predicting terrible things but that he wasn't communicating very clearly about what he had (laughs) had seen and what he was expecting to happen Right. Um, and I, I just wonder if we would have seen how they would have responded differently if they'd had each other's gifts. What if Luisa was able to see the future and Bruno was gifted with physical strength? Would Bruno still have hidden from that responsibility um, and from the, the burden and the burnout? Was that an aspect of his personality or an actual response to his gift or, or, or? That, that's a really interesting um, question, would, yeah. Um, sorry, I kind of cut you, you off there. Um, so that this kind of brings up a, a thought that I uh, had had earlier. I, I I think a lot of these characters, um, their their gifts kind of do match up with their with their personalities. Um, I mean, you see mm-hmm. you see Louisa. Um, well, I guess you, you never really know Louisa before she had her gift, but um, but Louisa, the caretaker, being given this ability to to you know care in a, in a very big way um also that what's the to character at uh, dolores carry. yeah to carry burdens right dolores the aunt who has the ability to to hear things from long distances away perhaps that lines up with her personality trait of always wanting to to know what's going on um or and uh another I think example she's a cousin but she is my favorite character. <laughs> yeah, she's spunky. Um, another really good example is is Mirabelle's mom, right? She has the ability to heal physically heal people with food that she makes, and she is a mother figure um, and uh, has a, a, a very you know a personality um, um, that 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 fits that right. She she is care, cares for people and is a, a, a nurturer. 
Um, and so I, I, I do kind of get the sense that these these gifts that people have. Well, and uh, Antonio, we actually see him receive his gift, the the, the little boy. Um, and we we do find we do learn that before he gets his gift, that he has a passion for animals. And his gift is that he is able to communicate with animals. Um, so I, I, I do get the sense that these gifts line up with their personality traits. Um, yeah, you're right. So I guess maybe this isn't a reasonable question <laughs> at all. Because they they couldn't have each other's gifts because they don't have each other's personalities. Yeah. If they did have each other's personalities, that kind of voids the question, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um Sorry, I didn't didn't mean to totally uh, refute you there, but no, you're good. Th- this is how conversations work. Yes, we're thinking through stuff. Yeah. Okay, so what piece of advice would you give Louisa? Hmm. Yes, we've come to that point in the episode. Um, yeah, uh, I you know I I I would love to tell Louisa um, just how important it is to take care of yourself. Um, and to, to give yourself the, the time that you need to, to, um, relax and, and just get your mind off of those everyday stresses, um, and, and do the things that, that bring joy to her life. Such a big thing. Yeah, absolutely. What about you? I would like to tell Louisa, sorry, I would like to tell Louisa to delegate, (laughs) um, a lot of the tasks that she's taking on would absolutely take someone else a little bit longer, but could be done. I The one that really stands out to me most is the donkeys escaping. Lisa, the donkeys got out again. People's <laughs> yeah. livestock escape all the time. Right? Yeah, that's that's um, not a unique problem. They just, they yeah, ask Louisa because Yeah, and you don't it's... need someone to carry them all back for you. Like, like, like get, get a, a sheepdog, man, come on. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and I suspect a lot of what she's managing falls into that category of like, yeah, it's easier for me, but you can definitely do this. Um, and I think that's also what I hope our listeners take from this episode. Yeah. A, delegate where you can. Don't mm-hmm. don't feel like you have to do everything yourself because that big shoes to fill sentiment, those aren't the communities we're trying to build. Yeah. Um, and Asking for help the flip is hard, side of but that, important. Sorry. Yeah, the flip side of that is to be aware of when you're asking for help with things that you can do. And mm. it's absolutely mm-hmm. okay to ask for help. But we also want to gain those skills ourselves and and do the things that we can. It feels good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So we're a few episodes into this podcast now, and we want to build our, our own community of, of listeners and supporters. Um, so please send um, any feedback our way. You know, you can, you can leave a, a review. Let us know your thoughts about the characters that we've discussed so far, or if you have any suggestions for a character you'd like you'd like to hear about. Um, please let us know, and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Unsolicited is a salty pup production. Music by Tristan Hurd, publicity by Allison Biggie, audio engineering by Robbie Rutherford, and art by Erica Peterson. Thanks also to my co-host, Owen Evans. My name is Emily Blake. Thanks for listening. Okay, I have a bonus question for you. Oh boy. I'm ready. Um, Actually, I have two bonus questions for you. (laughs) Bonus question one. 
if you had one of the powers in the show, which one do you think it would be? Mm, really, really good question. Um, it's not a show, it's a movie. If you had <laughs> one of the gifts in the movie, in the movie which do you yeah. think it would be? Yeah, lots of good choices there. I, you know, I might have to go with Mirabelle's mother's gift, the the ability to heal people with food, because food is just such a big part of my life. And I'm at an age now where my body is not always physically sound. So (laughs) (laughs) that would be just an extremely helpful thing to be able to do. Yeah, I think that's the one that I would have also. Okay, follow up (laughs) question. If you could have any gift and it was based on your personality, which do you think, what gift do you think you would, if you could have any gift and if you could have any gift and it was based on your personality, what gift do you think you'd end up with? You know, this might be a better question to answer for each other, actually. I'd be curious to know what you think my gift would be. Okay. (laughs) I think you would be able to rewind and do things differently because I think that you're someone who really reflects on the things that you have done and finds ways to do them better in future. Um, Mm. And I think there would probably be like a limit to how far you could rewind, but I think you could rewind like (laughs) up to 24 hours yeah, so that you could fix mistakes based on your reflections. Yeah. I I was going to say that's, that's kind of a, a, a a black hole there because I could just spend, spend my entire life just redoing things. But, but yeah, it'd be, no, it'd be like the email undo button. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Exactly. You have 10 seconds to undo this. (laughs) I like that. I like that. That would be extremely useful. Um, I think your gift would be, hmm, trying to think of your personality traits, but then also think of like something creative and fun to, <laughs> that would come from that. I don't know if that's one of my personality traits, so. <laughs> um, okay, I'm going to think for a second and Robbie just cut out all my, my thinking time. <laughs> Oh, I know. I think I think you would have the ability to um uh in a way kind of just like insert knowledge into people's heads because you have <laughs> such a passion for for teaching uh and you're so good That's at true. it and you have so much so much wisdom to impart but but kids are just so thick-headed sometimes. <laughs> if you could just <laughs> unscrew their head and just stick the no- the knowledge in there, I think that would be your superpower. I think my students and I would both really appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Maybe some of them will weigh in. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs)